you daily for weekend eve. Yay! Uh, yay. It's so close. It's almost here. And don't forget Saturday, right? Saturday. There's a weekend Saturday. for you because that's free comic book day. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Good times are happening. Welcome, everyone. May the 4th be with you. To May the 4th National Star Wars Day. So say it to find folks from geekradiodaily.com. Oh, and hey. Yeah, we're fleet radio people. They got like all kinds of crazy Star Wars stuff happening all day. And if you listen carefully, you might just hear someone from this show interviewing David Prowse and the guy who was Admiral Ackbar. Tim Roseworthy. It's a trap. Something like that. The folks that are bringing it to you today, uh, the lady that's willing to uh, admit some things now and again, that there's the Flintstress. The so-called normal guys who always let you down. Sickos never scare me. No. At least they're committed. Yes, I am. I'm going to Billy Flynn. Should be. Have you been drinking this whole past two minutes? Well, you know, you have to do something to get ready for the day. What happened? Well, let's take it back to 1536. Florentine merchant Francesco Lappi uses the at sign for the first time in recorded history in a letter. I think he was a time traveler and just wanted to drop his Twitter <laughs> handle. 1780, the first U.S. National Arts and Science Society is incorporated. It's chartered in Boston, Massachusetts to cultivate every art and science which may tend to advance the interest, dignity, honor, and happiness of a free, independent, and virtuous people. 1884. The first photograph of a flash of lightning ah, is taken in the U.S. by W.C. Gurley of the Marietta Observatory in Ohio. 1886, three patents for recording and reproducing sound relating to a phonograph disc records are issued to Chichester Bell and Charles S. Tainter. Wow. <laughs> 1887, Emil Berliner applies for a U.S. patent or on a gramophone that initially makes use of a cylinder, but that will eventually use a disc by the time the first model is shown a year later. 1951, as part of the Festival of Britain, the Telekinemini shows 3D and stereophonic films, as well as large screen transmissions of interviews from a nearby studio. 1973, the Sears Building in Chicago, Illinois, becomes the first building over 1,400 feet tall. It was 1,454 feet, or 1,707 feet, if you count its antenna. 1980, the final episode of the sci-fi television series Galactica 1980, the return of Starbuck first airs and somehow that couldn't save it 1989 the space probe magellan is launched in the cargo bay from the space shuttle atlantis from the kennedy space center in florida 1995 german electronics manufacturer escom ag pays to acquire the rights to the name and intellectual property of former computer pioneer commodore electronics limited for 10 million dollars wow 1997 chess grandmaster gary kasparov loses the second of six games against ibm's deep blue supercomputer 1998 the two millionth internet domain name voyagerstravel.com is registered sadly it has nothing to do with john eric hexham show <laughs> 1999 america online repairs a glitch that stops subscribers using an apple macintosh computer from using their system for almost an entire month users would experience the problem if they checked a specific option box during an email attachment download same day Midway Games Incorporated and WMS Industries, Inc. launched an internet-based coin-operated video game locator on their website. It helps video game players locate their favorite game in arcades and other locations near them. Fun. 2002, the film Spider-Man sets an all-time record for the highest earnings in a single day with $43,622,264 in box office sales on the second day of its release. And the first National Free Comic Book Day is held in the U.S. just days after the opening of the first Spider-Man film in theaters. A day, if that last story was correct. 
2003, the first clone equine, a mule fold named Idaho Gem, is born at the University of Idaho. 2005, Mars Express deploys the first of two 20-meter-long radar booms for its Mars Advanced Radar for Subsurface and Ionosphere-sounding Marissus' experiment. First, the boom doesn't lock fully into place, but exposing it to sunlight for a few minutes on May 10th will fix the glitch because sun can move things. I wonder if they said, here comes the boom. Nice. 2006, the film Elephant's Dream is released to the internet after its March 24th premiere. Elephant's Dream is a computer-generated short film made in eight months using only free open-source software applications such as Blender, a 3D modeling, animating, and rendering application. 3,000. Tyler leaves his desolate home high in the Rocky Mountains and takes a final courageous stand against the Cyclos in one of the worst films ever made. Birthdays. Will Arnett is 52 from Arrested Development. The increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret. Let's go to Prison, Blades of Glory, Lego Batman, and Bojack Horseman. Anna Gasteyer is 55 from Saturday Night Live. Dick, Suburgatory. Pia Zadora is 69 from Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, Butterfly, The Lonely Lady, Voyage of the Rock Aliens. No longer with us, born the state in 1655, Bartolomeu Cristofori, who invented the piano. Oh. 1921, Patsy Garrett from Nanny and the Professor, The Banana Splits, and Benji. 1944, Russie Taylor, the voice of Minnie Mouse, Martin Prince, Sherry, Terry, Uter. The Simpsons would not be the same without her. Well, The Simpsons will definitely be on TV somewhere today, but uh, CBS has Young Sheldon, Ghosts, and uh, so a rerun of So Help Me Todd, and a new CSI Vegas. ABC's got your station 19, new Grey's Anatomy in 2020. NBC has Law & Order, Law & Order SVU, Law & Order OC. Fox, Surf and Turf on the new Next Level Chef, a new Animal Control and Call Me Cat. On the CW, Liam, Stella, and the Horse Rescue are excited for opening day. The boys go off on a camping trip as the ladies plan for a relaxing spa day on a new walker and 100 days to Indy. It's going to be here sooner than that. Freeform Mariana looks to protect Evan's interests at Speculate. Alice invites Marie, Maury, and Morty from 3M to the Coutier. Gary, Gail, and Jasmine cope with the difficulties of being queer parents on a new Good Trouble. AMC is showing Bad Teacher. That's moments. FX, Sam continues to struggle as he... Desperately searches for a therapeutic solution to his problems. Dr. Strauss introduces a new variable into their sessions on the new, The Patient. On FXX, we do get Simpsons, but mostly Family Guy Marathon. Damn it. FXM has Mortal Engines, which has a great trailer. Yeah. Great trailer. I liked the books. Uh, BBC America has Predators. Sci-Fi has Bleeding Steel, which can't be comfortable. No. The slightest. Uh, uh, You can use them to fight the Flying Monkeys. Turner Classic Music has The Wizard... Turner Classic Movies has The Wizard of Oz. There's music in that. There is, so there it's is. Gonna be in, it's classic as well. TBS will be showing Return of the Jedi, so don't go pay to see it in theaters. Right. You know, yeah, it's here on TV, it. right there. Uh, TNT is showing the 2023 NBA playoffs. We're watching That'll the, take like eight months. Who raises like Science Channel Mysteries of the Band of Marathon, but we're watching the Lifetime Movie Network. A couple's life is thrown into chaos and despair when their foster son's biological mother decides to take him back. Aww. And they search for a way to fill the void left by his absence when they meet a desperate pregnant woman who begs for their help. Keisha Knight Pullum, what? And Danica Frederick starring the Hillsdale Adoption Scam. The wonderful Billy Flynn looks at what Chad and Abby are up to now. If you know what TV show they're on this week, you can win yourself a prize. It's your further adventures of Chad and Abby update. Abby and Kate try to get Gabby to get an MRI so they can uncover the real cause of the strange behavior taking over everybody. Brady tries to get the government moving again. Brady is tracing the problem back to its point of origin, which could just be across the hall. Hopefully, this does not end up another cold case. Hashtag Jabby. 
forever. Don't you have a letter to read or something? Well, yes, we do. Hi, Geek Radio Daily. I Hi. guess I should actually write a complete full email to you now, since you were so kind to have picked me for winning last month and sent me a bunch of really cool damn Sonic games that I haven't played in a while, and some I haven't played in forever, and wow, you sent a lot of games. Thank you. That was really awesome. I'm going to tell everyone they need to come crack the code and see if they can beat Jay Radimus. That is from Madison. Well, good luck to you. Wow. Because that man is just devious. He just won't stop no matter what. If you've got the slightest idea of where they happen to be this week, by all means, drop a note to podcast at geekradiodaily.com. Of course, a voicemail text message. You need the numbers of 510-GRD-CREW. Oh, but next week, Jay Radimus. Next week. A Whovian and a Nuvian walk into a TARDIS. And explore every episode of the classic Doctor Who series. Join me, podcaster John S. Drew. And me, writer-editor Jim Beard, as we take apart each story starting from the very beginning in 1963. And join us on our Facebook page and Twitter, where we continue the discussion with you with historical artifacts from British papers of the time. The Doctor's Beard Podcast, released every Saturday around tea time on your favorite podcasting app. And we'll see you in time and space. Hi, this is Gareth David Lloyd, and you are listening to Geek Radio Daily with, with Billy Flynn. Wow, it's almost like it's a completely different day. That seems so weird. Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Get ready. Prepare for blasto. One thing I know is that my allies and I had just obliterated the largest horde of rabid zombies I'd ever encountered, and then suddenly, Chief Wiggum 49 and Halo is my bitch 12 decided to frag me. Well, can't they do it this week in the incredible amount of games you've got to choose from? Oh, there's how many? Go ahead. <laughs> Not many. But that's okay. You could check out Jected Rivals. This is Early Access, a stunt-based racing PC game. Cook, serve, forever. Early Access, the fourth entry to the Cook, Serve, delicious series of frantic food preparation games. Oh, it's Because a cooking dinner for your family is just not fun enough. Uh, then you could, oh, you could check out Darkest Dungeon 2. This is out of Early Access. It's a sequel to Red Hook's Darkest Dungeon with a new metagame structure for PC. So it references itself? That doesn't make sense. I'm not wearing any pants. Film at 11. Geek News! Taking a look at the world. From a geeky point of view, it's been five years since a Cloverfield movie has graced our screens, but that could be changing now that a relic of the past from when the franchise first launches resurfaces. Fans of the J.J. camera produced <laughs> monster movie franchise are no doubt well aware. Secrecy and viral marketing have been a gimmick, big part of the franchise at the very beginning, but now a bit of viral marketing tied to the original 2008 blockbuster that started it all has us thinking that a sequel is imminent. Uh, an actual sequel or another trip down Cloverfield Lane? Cloverfield Lane is good. The Slush Show website is once again active after being offline for some time. In 2007, well ahead of the release of Cloverfield, the website for the fictional drink appeared and included an interactive game, though nothing directly connected to the movie because it was all in-universe. In its present-day form, visitors to the website are greeted with happy animated characters and a tagline boasting, you can't drink just six. Say that's one of my shit says that. You can then mix your own slush show using six flavors, blueberry zoom, chocolate rage, chicken, nasty, banana anime, and strawberry tasty. Ooh, maybe they're making a fruity Odie bar flavor. That would rock. Whether or not one cares about the website is sort of inconsequential. The important thing here is that our first true sign of progress is being made on the next 
actual Cloverfield movie. A project announced way back in 2021. Has the movie already been filmed in secret like 10 Cloverfield Lane was? Are, are we going to get a surprise release like the Cloverfield Paradox, which dropped on Netflix right after the Super Bowl in 2018 and blew our damn minds? It's woefully unclear right now, but things certainly seem to be happening. Mm -hmm. Woefully unclear is what many call those movies. Hey, I like them. All we really know is that J.J. Abrams and Paramount are developing what is reportedly a direct sequel to Cloverfield. The last two took place in the same universe, the original, but were basically spinoffs that focused on entirely different characters. When we last heard, Babak Anvare from Wounds had been selected to direct the new installment with Joe Barton from The Ritual writing the screenplay. Naturally, next to nothing by way of any official updates have been shared, given the secretive nature of these productions. But what if they're just actually making a movie of the Kishin manga? Huh? Mm -hmm. Or just going to show us more of T.J. Miller getting eaten? Wait. <laughs> wait. This is their setup for, for a Star Trek thing, isn't it? Either way, you will tremble before the prolapse rectum. Yuck. <laughs> In the spring of 2011, Japanese broadcasters declined to air two episodes from the Pokemon anime due to a catastrophic earthquake. While the networks originally promised to air them at a later date, these episodes never materialized. But now, thanks to the effort of a fan who tracked down a copy of the script, we're finally able to see how the Team Rocket arc would have concluded in Pokemon the series Black and White. Wait, wait, just the script? Where are the actual episodes? Hiding with more Doctor Who and London After Midnight? <laughs> well, the Pokemon anime was building up a dramatic arc in the spring of 2011, which involved Team Rocket trying to use meteorite technology to take over Anova. Recently, a fan found someone who owned copies of the episode scripts, and they were willing to sell them for $4,000. The Pokemon community raised the full amount, but then the owner decided to donate the scripts free of charge. The organizers refunded the contributors and even translated the scripts from Japanese, so you can finally see what happened in the episodes Team Rocket versus Team Plasma Part 1 and Team Rocket versus Team Plasma Part 2 refunded the money? See, now I'm scared to read it, because I bet they make you read it in a not-at-all-hypno-chamber. <laughs> well, if you skim the contents of the scripts, you'll see why Japanese broadcasters felt the need to take it off the air. Team Rocket's leader, Giovanni, secured a mysterious and powerful rock called a Metanite, and he intended to use its power to take over the Unova region. Team Plasma stole the Meteonite, but they quickly lost control of it. The space rock started reacting with the meteorite from a nearby museum, and the resulting heat waves started to destroying entire buildings. Fans have long suspected that perhaps the episodes contained imagery that was too similar to the destruction caused by, you know, the actual Great East Japan earthquake, and this was why they never aired. Now it seems that their guesses may have been accurate. An association with the real-life tragedy wouldn't have been a great look for this goofy antagonist who are mostly intended for comedic relief. Yeah, because, you know, the Three Stooges never did home safety PSAs. Sadly. Oh, they should have. Well, some fans mourned how Pokemon history was changed because of the earthquakes. They definitely planned on having a Team Plasma play a bigger role in the black and white anime before the episode cut, speculated one fan. We may never be able to see the episodes, but it's still interesting to learn what Pokemon anime history could have been. <laughs> Though I bet Humor Times has a version of it up by the weekend. Wouldn't doubt it. Good sight. Ever wanted a giant brick-built generic Lego minifigure for your own collection? Yep. And now you can with the 40649 upscaled Lego minifigure set to be released June 1st of this year. Generic and more of it? Ah, oh, the age we live in. The set features a simple 654-piece Lego minifigure, complete with a classic smiley face, stands over 27 centimeters, 10.5 inches tall. It has posable arms and legs, and is built on the same format as the Lego house-exclusive pirate minifigures and the 76393 Harry Potter and Hermione Granger buildable minifigures. No craggle needed. It's also coincidentally the same minifigures as the giant one that's positioned in front of the Lego campus in Belund, Denmark. 
He even has a secret in his hat, which reveals a place for the included regular minifigure to pilot the upsized version. <laughs> How fun is that? Meet Lego Dave? God, no. One of the best things about the minifigure is that you get a simple, classic, smiley face curved plate, which is printed on so you can theoretically use the elements to create design your very own Lego minifigures. And even army build them with, you know, if you please. 40649 Upscale Lego Minifigure will be released June 1st exclusively on lego.com or your local Lego store. And yes, this does mean that everything, everything is awesome. Is awesome. <laughs> Another one of Elon Musk's great ideas, great ideas, had led to widespread criticism and corresponding whiplash policy reversal. Twitter said it will once again allow governments and publicly funded entities to access its application programming interface, API, and make automated posts for free on the platform. The social media site announced the about face change on Tuesday afternoon in a tweet from the developer account. Good. I was tired of listening to the radio for traffic. My God, what is this, 1997? <laughs> this newest update follows months of chaotic policy shifts surrounding Twitter's API. Access to the software intermediary allows users to more easily schedule and automate posts, you know, or like build bots, among other things. But in February, the billionaire-owned site announced it would start charging for API access. There was immediate outcry from developers, researchers, and others. Twitter delayed the change in response, but eventually Twitter released a fee schedule and began revoking accounts' permissions to post unlimited automated tweets. Because the idea was was endorsed just as warmly as an $8 a month pointless blue check mark. Yep. Accounts belonging to the National Weather Service, including their Tsunami Alerts page, major cities' transit networks, and others lost the ability to post automated warnings and updates in April. For some, free access was restored after the interruption. For others, not so much. This does not tickle me, Elmo. <laughs> Twitter said it's reversing course, but it remains to be seen if that will be enough to restore confidence in the site and get public entities to resume posting. In the MTA's April 27th statement announcing the end of service alerts on Twitter, the transit operator notes the reliability of the platform can no longer be guaranteed. Yet, restored API access or not, another flip-flop doesn't exactly scream reliability. Musk could opt to change course once again, I mean, in accordance with his apparently numerous whims, just because at Twitter Dev posted that free API access will return for some users, that doesn't actually mean it's true. So, if you need actual information from a source, you know, go to the actual source. I mean, you know, do that as a basic rule of thumb for everything. Otherwise, you could fall for anything, like Elon Musk is smart and protects free speech. Damn, son. Astronomers think that they're the first to see a star nope. swallowing nope. a planet after piecing together a cosmic whodunit in data collected by several telescopes. <laughs> swallowing does sound nicer than, you know, cremating it out of existence. The host star and the doomed planet were spotted near the constellation Aquila about 12,000 light years away. The observed event happened over the course of 10 days in 2020. After brilliant outbursts, astronomers saw a cooler prolonged signal for about 100 days. We were seeing the end stage of the swallowing, said lead author Kishil day in astrophysicist at MIT in an institute release. If Rich were here right now, we'd be bleeping his joke. True, but the teams, by the team's measure, the star was between 0.8 times and 1.5 times the mass of our sun, and the planet it ate was between 1 and 10 times the mass of Jupiter, the largest planet in our solar system. In total, the event ejected about 33 Earth masses worth of hydrogen and about one-third Earth's mass in dust. So it did a massive space burp? Documenting this event may help astronomers identify other planet-eating stars in the future, and eventually Earth may well be consumed by the sun as our host star expands in its death throes. But thankfully... Here we're delicious. You know, the sun's not going to die for about five billion years, long outlasting our kind or whatever we evolve into. That is, of course, as long as 
Galactus doesn't find us first. GRD is licensed to the Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial Non Works. If you want to license, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Some of them give ready to give out. I forgot what I'm saying. That makes perfect sense. I basically, I was I was terrified by the whole Galactus thing. I'm not sure if I was more terrified by Galactus itself or a goddamn cloud version of Galactus. Why did you make a cloud version of Galactus? <sighs> Check out all the cool shit that's happening uh, on Star Wars Day over at Outworld Fleet Radio and listen, because that interview with David Prowse was incredible and Tim Rose, which is an absolute delight. And uh, drop us a note which place is podcast at geekradiodaily.com. Voicemail, text, message. You just need to use these magic numbers. Right, chat. 510-G-I-D-Click. You have to type 510 twice? I never knew that. I never knew that. See you around, super honky. Honey, I detect no source of amusement. Good night, suckers. I think we need better packaging. We need a better way to show off our product. Many different flavors and the beat is strong. Came to the high stuff, let me pour a little. Oh, come on, John. Baby, let me show you how to do this. You gotta move this. You're doing fine. Come on, she's